I've got a message this morning that I'm going to have to move quickly, or you guys are going to be here a long time. What, what should we do? Move quickly. <laughs> you guys don't want to be here a long time? Come on, settle in. This is going to be, this is good. Uh, okay, here we go. It's called an upside-down kingdom. And uh, it's kind of a continuation of last week when we talked about the abundant life. Matthew 16, 25 says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me, being Jesus, will find it. So it's, that, it's this paradigm shift and countercultural deal of and two kingdoms colliding of what we think uh, is, is the way we're supposed to do it is actually not the way we're supposed to do it. This is that upside-down kingdom. Everything's flipped around. So this morning, I want to focus on a principle that I believe the church has completely misunderstood. And uh, what we've done is, and we do this, we'll take the wisdom of the world, and it says uh, the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. But, but we'll take things sometimes that, you know, somebody comes up with, and we'll go, oh, that's really good. And without even taking it back to the Lord, we begin to go, yeah, that's, that's got to be good. It makes sense. And, and so we start to move forward with it. And so what this has done, I believe this, what I'm going to talk about this morning has actually wreaked havoc on our relationships, on our friendships, on our marriages, and on the body of Christ. And so this is actually, I have to admit, this is, this is new revelation to me. Like, I, and so maybe some of you have this figured out and have figured this out a long time ago. I'll talk about this, but I actually got a download just a few weeks ago on this. And so this kind of just shook my world a little bit. And so I've been praying through it and processing through it. And, uh, and I pray that, that I can deliver this well and so that we can all gain a better understanding because I think as we do, it's going to shift the way we think. It's going to shift the way we live. And, uh, and we're going to move forward in a greater, with a greater understanding and a greater ability to walk together as the body of Christ. So uh, let me start with this. Okay, so the, the, what I'm going to talk about <laughs> is this idea of trust in relationships. And uh, so I'll tell you what, just throw up the first slide here, which is a description, or it's a definition of trust. I Googled this. I just hit, you know, if you just type in, go to Google and hit trust, and this is what came up. It's a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. And then right below it, it said, good relationships are built on trust. Amen? Okay. So I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you some slides now. Uh, so if you put up these, I'm going to put up four slides, uh, the first four. So go ahead and put these quotes. Relationships are built on a foundation of trust. Okay, throw up the next one. Whether it is a friendship or relationship, all bonds are built on trust. Without it, you have nothing. Throw up the next one. Relationships are built on trust and loyalty. Without that, you have nothing. And the last one here is in a relationship. Trust is more important than love. It will enhance your love. I want to propose to you this morning that every single one of these is absolutely wrong. Completely wrong. This is the world's view, and it seems so good. It seems like, oh yeah, this makes complete sense. But it actually completely contradicts the kingdom of God and the word of God. And I'm going to, I'm going to show you this. So, uh, hang in there, because I know you're like, what? <laughs> uh, 
But work with me on this. I'm going to show you something that I believe is going to be revelational to all of us. Uh, Here's the deal. We are not supposed to put our trust in anyone. We're not supposed to have our trust in any relationship. I'm not supposed to trust in Christy, my wife. I'm not supposed to trust in any of the friends that I have. I'm not supposed to trust in any relationship that I have. We are not called or designed or purposed to have trust for anyone other than God. This is completely countercultural to the ways of the world. I mean, everything would say we need to put our trust in others. In order to have a relationship that's going to work, you need to trust others. And I say, baloney. <laughs> completely wrong. And this is what has actually destroyed the church. This has, has created so much havoc within the church. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, when you look at the Bible, when you look at the biblical text, I went through this. I, I went through the entire Bible last week, and I found 125 places where, it's, where it talks about trust. Okay, I might have used a search engine, but, but regardless, I found there was 125 places where, where, where trust is mentioned in the Bible. And in every case, in every place, there is not one place where it says, put your trust in your spouse, put your trust in someone else. Put your trust in a relationship. Not once does it say that. Okay, so let me show one of the best examples that I would say is, is, this, is David. Uh, if, you look at the, if you look at the Psalms, actually of the 125, 50 of them are in, in the Psalms. And these are all David with an understanding. He had an understanding. He was a man after God's own heart. He had an understanding of trusting in the Lord. And so here's a guy... You know, he kills Goliath. Uh, Saul's, King Saul is so proud of him and brings him in and excited to have him there. And they start having this amazing relationship and David has favor. And then all of a sudden, uh, they're coming back from a battle and, and everyone's cheering for him because they won the, the, the battle. And it says, and they're saying, Saul killed his thousands and, and David killed his ten thousands. And Saul was not real happy with that. And uh, what it says, he actually had a spirit of jealousy that came on him. And, and in that, he started to, he had a desire to kill David after that. There was twice where, where well, David was playing the harp. He tries to kill David. And then he follows him into the wilderness and into the caves. He, has, he, he gets 3,000 men, his mercenaries, to go after David to kill him. He wanted him dead. He didn't want to see him alive anymore. He had such a spirit of jealousy over this man. But David trusted in the Lord the entire time. Now, were there difficult times? Absolutely. Go through the Psalms. It was tough. But, but 50 times, David talks about trusting in the Lord. And so even in the end, uh, right towards the end, before David becomes king and Saul is killed, uh, David is in this, he's hiding in a cave, and Saul, Saul comes in to use the, the restroom. Uh, I guess caves are where they had restrooms back then. And, uh, and so he's, they're in there, and David sneaks up and actually cuts a piece of the robe off. But he does not kill him. And his, his soldiers are like, here's your opportunity. The Lord's put it right in front of you. Take him out, and you'll be king. And he doesn't do it. Why? Because that would be trusting in his own abilities. That would be him stepping out and saying, oh, let me do this for you, Lord. But no, he comes back and he goes, no, I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. I'm going to allow the Lord to do this. Even though this guy is trying to kill him and he could end it right there and, and everyone else says, well, the Lord's doing this. 
He doesn't do it. He doesn't step out and kill him. And this is what he says. David says to Saul, after, da- after Saul leaves the, the cave, he waits till he's gone, and then he yells out to him, and he says, this day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urge me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lift my hand against my master because he is the Lord's anointed. Then David, he goes on to say, may the Lord judge between you and me. And may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. There's something that we've got to catch in this, that a lot of times what we do is we go, Lord, do this, do this, and then an opportunity opens up, and we think, oh, that must be something we're supposed to jump into or we're supposed to handle and do it ourselves. A lot of times we will do something for the Lord when we're not called to do something for the Lord. And it may still, it's the plan, this is God's plan, but what we do is we step out and instead of trusting him, we're like, oh, Lord, let me help you with this. But this is not what God is calling us to do. And I, we're gonna, you're going to see this hopefully as we kind of un, unpack here as we talk about it. But when we're dealing with people, it is not our job to get in the middle of what the Lord is doing. When, when people are even coming against us, it is not our job to get in the middle and try to take care of things that the Lord is handling. Let the, let the Lord do this. And I, I wish I would have had this revelation a long time ago. But anyway, so here we go. I'm gonna, I want to go through. We have so much to cover here. Um, there are, of the 50 times that is, it's in Psalms, I'm just going to go through a few. Can you put the list up of Psalms of, these, of the trust? Here it is. Take a look at some of these just to get this idea. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. Put your trust in the Lord. This is all David saying this. Uh, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. O Lord my God, in you I put my trust. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. I will trust, uh, or in the Lord I will put my trust. O you who save those who trust in you. He is a shield to all those who trust him. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord. And then, but as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. And then the last one, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. There's no point in time he's like, I will put my trust in these guys that I'm with, these 400 guys. Uh, Not once. Go to the next slide, will you? These are the ones I want to really highlight. Psalm 118.8, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. Every time. The second one, why don't we all say this together just to keep you guys awake here as we're doing this. You guys know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Hopefully everybody knows this one. Ready? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So, what's the Hebrew word for all? There you go. (laughs) if, If all of your heart is trusting in the Lord, how much of it can trust in in others? None. Good, five of you got that. There's, we're going to work on that one. Hopefully by the end, everybody's going to get this one. <laughs> Not a trick question. Uh, so this is the idea of we, we have to put our complete trust in the Lord. So 
As I said, I got this download. This was actually about two weeks ago. I was sitting right up here. Uh, it was a Wednesday night. We were uh, talking about John 13. And Marcus, to start it off, he was preaching. And, and he gets up and he just says, I can't remember exactly what he said, but something like, does anyone want to receive just a baptism of love tonight? And I was like, first one, like, yes, please, I'll take it. Like, I will always want to receive more of his love. And, and he was... He was just praying about, like, just receiving this greater understanding of his love. And so it's funny. I just stood up, and I'm like, Lord, I want it. I want that baptism of your love. I sat down, and, he, and then Marcus started to speak. And I, I don't, unfortunately, sorry, Marcus, I don't remember what Marcus said for a period of time there because the Lord just began to download this, this to me. And uh, just as he was talking about, like, washing the feet and doing all this stuff, and, and I'm sitting here. And so I, I, can, I will forgive you if the Lord is downloading plans to you or downloading revelation to you right now. It's okay. You don't have to listen to me. Get the download from the Lord. Uh, so here's the deal. This is what he was showing me, is that we were never created to put our trust in anyone else. As the creator, God said, I'm your creator. I've created, I've designed you, and I've designed you to trust in me fully and completely. But I've also designed you and created you to receive my love. And as you receive my love, that you will love others. So the foundation of our relationships is not trust. It cannot be trust. Here's what happens when it's trust. When we say, Lord, I'm gonna, we're going to, with Christy and I, I'm gonna, we're going to put this foundation of trust together. So we're going to trust each other in everything that we do. Eventually, she's going to mess up. Or I'm, more than likely, I'm going to mess up. There's, there's an expectation that is set when we put trust as that foundation. And so it is just a matter of time before the relationship will be destroyed. But when we put love, the love of the Father that we have on the inside of us, when that's the foundation, when that's what, I, what we build this relationship on, nothing can break that. Nothing. It says love never fails. So when we put our trust in God, he is faithful. He is trustworthy. He's the only one that's faithful. He's the only one that's trustworthy. And so that's why as we put our trust in him, that can never be broken. And then as we put the love, as we found our, our relationships on love, that can never be broken. Because if we, if we get this, I, I'm going to, dig into this a little more, but it is, if we can get this understanding, it will shift everything. It will shift the church. Here's the thing. How many people in the church have been hurt by someone else in the church? How many offenses have there been? You've taken an offense at something. But when, that's when your foundation is based on trust. But listen, if it's love, if it's the love of, the, of Jesus, the same love that Jesus has for the church, how can you be offended at something? Because it doesn't matter what they do, right? They can do anything. They can come against you. And what happens? You still love them with the love of Jesus. And so if Christy breaks trust with me, it doesn't matter. God called us to always be in unity. He says in John 17, he says, Father, he's praying in John, John 17, 21. He says, Lord, that they would be one as you and I are one. That's a crazy kind of one. Like, 
think about it for a second. He's praying that we would be one in the same way that God the Father and God the Son are one. That is a unity that we have not even scratched the surface of. But if we begin to get this, if we quit putting our trust in each other and making this the foundation and begin to put this love as the foundation of everything that we live for, of everything for our lives together as the body, as believers, we will never break unity. And this is what God is calling us to in this season. There's a, there is a quote. If you put, this, put the next quote up, will you? Uh, it says, trust takes years to build, seconds to break, and forever to repair. This one I actually do believe. I think, I think the world actually finally got something right. Uh, it does. It takes years to build, seconds to break, and forever to repair. So if that's the case, why would you build a foundation of trust? You can't ever repair it. This is why we're seeing marriages destroyed. This is why we're seeing people leave churches and get offended. This is why the body of Christ is getting literally obliterated. We are not called to trust others. We are called to put all our trust in the Lord. Okay. Let me, let me figure out where the heck I am. <laughs> uh, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been betrayed? Have you ever had someone break trust with you? Maybe a coworker, a friend, maybe your spouse. Maybe, you know, they cheated on you, they slept with another person. Uh, these are, these are, these are horrible things. I mean, it's like, ah. And in the world's eyes, in those situations, this would end a relationship. We would say, that's it. We're done. You're dead to me. Like, I don't trust you anymore. And I, if I don't trust you, I can't be in relationship with you. But again, I will tell you that this is not the way God tells us to handle these situations. And I would say up until two weeks ago, I did not understand this. I did not have this revelation. of I didn't, didn't fully understand this. I still felt like, well, you know, if there's a break in trust, like, well, then, yeah, we, you know, we can't, we can't work together. You trust in the Lord, and you allow the Lord to handle these situations just like he did with Saul. Now, if Saul had turned and repented, I think it would have been a completely different situation. The Lord was waiting and waiting and waiting for Saul to turn. Saul did not turn, and the Lord handled that situation. And it was a matter of time before, and then David did become the king, just as he was anointed to be king. But that is not for us to decide, and that is not for us to determine. That is for the Lord to determine, and our trust has to be in him. So in any situation where, that you're in, where there is trust that's been broken, where you've been betrayed, where people have come against you, it is not your place to come back against them. The only thing that you are called to do is love them with the love that Jesus has for the church. We go, ooh, this is a horrible message. <laughs> it's a hard message because it is not easy 
When someone, your closest friend, when your spouse comes against you, turns against you, does something that, that really hurts you, the world would say, this is your time for revenge. This is your time to push back. This is your time to do what the world would do. And we would say, it's for such a time as this that I will trust in the Lord and I will love the Lord with all my heart and through that love, I will now be able to love others. There's two commandments that the Lord gives us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love others, he says, as yourself. And then he changes it, as I have loved the church. Well, you can't do the second unless you're fully engaged in the first. You cannot love others without the love of the Father on the inside of you. Go, to me to, go with me to uh, John, 1 John 4, 7, and 8. I know you've heard this many times, but I'm going to walk through it slowly. Let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Let me reverse that. The love comes from God, which allows us to continue to love one another. You cannot love one another without receiving the love that comes from God. This, you go, oh yeah, I know that. Yeah, but do you know that? Do you really understand this? We have to get it from here down into here right now. And, and church, I, I just, I just, I'm praying that we as a church, that we get this. Like, I feel like we could just sit on this message for the next, like, six months, because if we get this, everything begins to change. The testimony of our lives begins to affect this community, because there is not one broken, or broken relationship that we are coming together as the body of Christ in unity because of the love for each other. Second part of this says, anyone who loves is a child of God. It says those that enter the kingdom may have to come in as a child of God, right? Those, so anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You have to have this love of the Father in order to love. There is a counterfeit. There is another love out there, uh, but it is, it is not the same. Uh, Christy and I were talking about it last night, and I was like, Here, what's the, what would you compare? Because there's this worldly love, but worldly love will fail every time. Uh, it's the counterfeit to the love of the Father. Worldly love is based on, on expectations again. But the, the love of the Father is not based on expectations. It's love regardless of the situation. And it, it's, like, it's like comparing, it's like eating spam. Spam would be like your, uh, like your meat for, uh, for the love of the world compared to maybe the filet mignon. There is a big difference. And if you're going to have one love or the other, man, I'm going for the filet mignon. I don't want to get the spam in your emails either, right? No. <laughs> Bad joke. Uh, <laughs> so here's the thing. How do we love with the love of the Father? I'm going to take you back to John 15. We talked about this last week. We talked about it last Wednesday. Uh, Pastor JR talked about it. But I want to read this from the Passion again because this kind of shifts us up a little bit because we've, we've read this but let me read it with a, with a little different context here. If you can put up John 15, it's verse 5, and then I'm going to skip forward to verse 9. So in verse 5, it says, I am the sprouting vine, and you're my branches. If you live in union with me as, as your source, 
fruitfulness will stream from within you. That's pretty cool. It says, but when you live separated from me, you are powerless. That's not very cool. Uh, and then in verse 9, it says, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. And he says, you must continually let my love nourish your hearts. It's that continual. What is that? That's the abiding in the vine. We have to be, we're a branch. We're actually pretty, we're, we're nothing. We have nothing. But when we get connected to the vine, this is where the nourishment comes, where he nourishes our hearts and we actually now begin to produce the fruit because of the Father who's living in and through us. Let me use this example. Uh, you know, we've been on, we did a fast back in January, and it's this idea, if we were to fast, go on the fast, and then just continually fast, what would happen? We would all die. We would become powerless, and we would die. Uh, it's funny. <laughs> Another, I get to pick on my wife a little bit, um, but she is here, and she said it was okay. So about 12 years ago, we were, we were here, and, uh, and we were going into a fasting time, and Christy's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this fast. I've she goes, I've never fasted before, so I want to fast. And so I was like, all right, that's great. You can do this. And, and uh, I went off to work. It was a Monday, I think, and uh, I, I go off to work, and she's fasting, and, and I come back after work, and she's eating. And I'm like, what happened to the fast? She goes, well, I thought of peanut butter and, and bread. I was like, oh, that sounds so good together. And so I had to eat it. I'm like, you didn't even last a day. And, uh, and, but there's this, there's this hunger on the inside of us where we're like, we get hungry. And it's like, oh, man. Now, to her benefit, we found out uh, soon after that that she was pregnant, so, uh, so <laughs> it's okay. She's been able to do a longer fast than, than like six hours since then. Uh, but, uh, but here's the point is when you fast, there is a hunger on the inside of you. It's that, it's where, where David talks about the deer that panteth for the water. It's like longing, longing of your soul, like for, for the Lord. There is this longing that we have that comes from a hunger on the inside of us for food, for nourishment, because we need it for our bodies. But when we fast, what the Lord begins to show us here is this is the same hunger that we need to have for the Lord. When we feel that hunger on the inside, we should feel that all the time for the Lord. That like, oh, I just have to get into the Word. I just need to spend time with Him. I need to get into His presence. We need that daily bread to get in with Him. And so this is that idea of of abiding in the vine, of remaining with him. Uh, Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. In another version, in the Passion Version, he says, make your life a prayer. How do you make your life a prayer? Let me, let me use Jesus as an example. It says that Jesus did what the Father did and he... Uh, and he would say what he heard the Father say, right? So what did, what did Jesus spend most of the time doing? Was it actually speaking to the Father? Or was it listening and watching? I would, I would again propose to you this, that, that when we are talking about praying continually, living a life of prayer, that this life of prayer is actually through the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us. And when the Holy Spirit's on the inside of us, he actually leads us. 
He leads us in the direction we're supposed to go. It says in, uh, in John 16, 13, it says, Jesus says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Well, if he's the guide, we have to be led. So he's leading us. In, in, uh, in Romans 8, 14, it says, for those who are led by the spirit of God, they are sons of God. It, it's again, we have to be led by the Spirit of God. This is what Jesus was. He was led by the Spirit of God. He had the Spirit of God on the inside of him, and he watched and he listened, and then he obeyed. It's real simple, but not real easy. Galatians 5.25 talks about, uh, says, since we live by the Spirit, we keep in step with the Spirit. It's kind of that, that waltz, that dance which I can't do. So uh, <laughs> we talked about the dancing. We, we stay away from the dancing. Um, but, but it's this idea of being led by the Spirit. When He steps, we step. We walk in step with the Spirit. Back up three verses, and it talks about what's released as we walk in step with the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. So as we, as we do this, as we're led by the Spirit, what happens? We have the fruit, and that's the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. First one, and most important of all, is this idea of love. It's the first one mentioned almost in every area. It's like love is, is the critical one in all of this. I want to read to you in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8, uh, if you can put that up. Follow along closely. <laughs> it's a lot of reading here. But if I could speak to you, I'm sorry, if I could, there's a lot of different versions, and I know the NIV better than the NIV. This is the NLT version. If I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. And if I gave everything that I have to the poor, and if I even sacrificed my body, and in some versions it says, to the flames, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So we see the importance of love. It really is foundational to everything, and without it, we might as well lay it all down. It's, it, this is it. This is what we have to have. It's the foundation of everything that we have. And then it goes on to say in verse 4, it talks about now, what is this love? It says love is patient, it's kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. And it keeps no records of being wronged. That's a tough one right there. It keeps no records of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Another critical one, it never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful, and it endures through every single circumstance. When we have this love, and it says back in 1 John 4, 7 and 8, it says God is love. Guys, this is who God is. We are reading a description of the Father. We're, this is the nature of the Father, and when we're connected to Him, we actually are like Him. We become like him. We move into that place of, of, of being transformed into the likeness of Christ for his glory. 2 Corinthians 3. This is, what it, this is what we're talking about here. So 
Last thing I want to hit on is this idea. So we're talking, we've talked about this idea of you cannot trust in others. You cannot put your trust in others. I was joking around with Christy in um, the last few days and just saying, hey, Christy, like, I don't trust you, but I love you. <laughs> but this is so true that we do not put our trust in others. It's not foundational. There is, you know, we, obviously trust comes into play, but if it has anything to do with the relationship, then we have trust in the wrong place because our trust has to be in the Lord. The last piece is this idea of trusting ourself. Again, the world would say, trust yourself, trust your feelings, trust your gut instinct, uh, trust your heart. Uh, guys, don't, don't do it. <laughs> I'll just say that. Don't do it. You cannot put your trust in yourself. Uh, what happens when we put our trust in ourself is it actually becomes a form of pride in our life that rises up. And uh, it was funny, I was joking around with Riken yesterday. I, I cut his, I usually typically cut his hair. And, uh, and I was saying, boy, Riken, I did a pretty awesome job, didn't I, on cutting your hair? And he walks, as he's walking down the stairs, he goes, Dad, pride comes before a fall. <laughs> it's like, ouch. <laughs> So even out of the mouth of babes, right? You're like, ooh. Um, and he had no idea that I was talking, that this is the message I was talking about. Uh, so I thought that was kind of funny. But in James 4, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So we need to walk in a place of humility. Corey Russell talked about it a few weeks ago when he talked about Isaiah 66. And he says, this, God says, this is the one I esteem, the one who is humble, contrite in spirit, and trembles at my word. This is, this is who the Lord esteems. The first one is humble. What is, what is humble? Humble is this place of dependence upon the Lord, complete dependence upon the Lord. What does that mean? Does that mean I just sit back and go, well, Lord, I'm dependent on you. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to sit here. No, it, what it means is it's also, it's this understanding of, of agreeing with what the Lord says about you. So there is a plan and a purpose for your life, and we are called to step into that place. Humility is actually coming into an agreement with what the Father says about you. And not only that, but actually acting in it, moving forward in it, where it talks about burying the talents. Like, we can no longer bury our talents. We have a lot of talents. There's things that God has given you. Act on it. Begin to use these talents for the kingdom of God. Begin, begin to use these things for His purposes, understanding what His plan is, his plan is, and listen, this is not pride. This is being bold and courageous for the Lord. And it says, because the Lord will be with you. Put your trust in the Lord. So as we put our trust in the Lord, as we move forward with what God, God tells us who we are, He shows us who we are, and we move forward in boldness in that, that not only affects our lives, that affects the church. If you don't move forward in the things that God has called you to do, if you don't move forward in a place of humility, understanding what God has called you to and move forward with it, if you bury those talents and you don't move forward with it, you're affecting not only your own lives, not only your family's lives, but the entire church. This is the body of Christ, and we are called together. We've talked about it. Play your part. We've got to play our part. This is part of playing your part, and it comes in a place of humility, being contrite, and having that trembling for the fear of the Lord, trembling at the, wor at the word of the Lord. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11, Paul talks about this. He, he's, he's, so he wrote the first 
uh, letter to the Corinthian church. And then he writes the second letter, and he's like, man, I need to tell you guys, brothers and sisters, we are under great pressure, far beyond our own abilities, talking about all the suffering, the things that they're going through. He says, we are despaired even of death, feeling the sentence of death. This is a horrible place to be. But then he says, and this comes out of the Passion Version, he says this, it has taught us to lose all faith in ourselves and to place all of our trust in God. Sometimes when we go through the difficult situations, when we go through hard times, this is actually where the Lord will begin to teach us, stop trusting in yourself, stop trusting in your own abilities, and begin to put your trust in the Lord. And then Paul adds a little clip at the end there. He goes, who raises the dead? <laughs> Just in case you didn't know. And he goes on to say that, that he, the Lord rescued them from every situation and that he will continue to rescue them from every situation. Same with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here's three men. They go to Nebuchadnezzar and they say, look, you're going to throw us into the furnace? Fine, throw us into the furnace. The Lord is going to protect us. His hand will be upon us and we will be saved. But then he says, but and even if we're not, we will serve the Lord. We can't look at the outcome and base the outcome on our trust in the Lord. We put our trust in the Lord regardless of what the outcome is. Guys, there's a process. This is not something, <laughs> I don't expect us all to be like, we've got this, we walk out of here, and boy, don't mess up. Now we're at the place you know it, act in it. There is a process that we're going through. I realize that I'm going through the process. We're going to mess up. This is where we're, we have grace. When we, when we humble ourselves, God gives us that grace. But there is a transformation that is happening right now in our lives, and I feel like this is a critical piece in a critical moment in time right now for each one of us to grasp a hold of this revelation, this understanding, and begin to move forward with it. If we just let this go, we're going to miss out on something amazing as our lives are being transformed into His likeness for His glory, in ever-increasing glory, for the glory of God. In Romans 12, too, it says that we do not conform to the pattern of this world. So we've got to make this shift. It says we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. So as we begin to, 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 to get this down and we begin to kind of chew on this thing, it's going to start to make more and more sense. Ask, just like it says in James, ask him for more wisdom in this area. He will give you a greater understanding in this. Every week that I get up here and preach, I have no idea what I'm going to preach the week before. And I just say, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me your understanding and bring revelation that you'll, for the things that you want to speak to the church right now. And, and then I just trust in him. <laughs> and if I ever get up here and it's, it's really boring, well, you can just blame it on him. <laughs> I'm going to finish with this video. There's a clip here I want you to see. And it's from Les Mis. It's the 1998 version uh, with Lee, Liam uh, Neeson. And uh, it's a short clip here, but I feel like this kind of just brings it all together. So what, let me just say, so Jean Valjean, what, this is a part where he's, he's a convict. Uh, he goes to this bishop and he says, uh, hey, I need food, I need, I need water, I need a place to stay, can, can you do this? And, and they're like, sure, come on in. He goes, no, you don't understand, I'm a convict. And they're like, no, come in. No, 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 you understand. I'm a convict. Like, you don't know who I am. And they're like, we don't care who you think you are. 
come in and, and have a meal with us and stay with us. And so Jean Valjean comes in, he stays, and in the middle of the night, he gets up and he begins to steal the silverware of the bishop's house. And so this is where we pick it up. I don't want to hear anything more about it. I'm sorry to disturb you. You caught him. But I had my eye on this man. Oh, and... thank God. I'm very angry with you, Jean Valjean. What happened to your eye, Monseigneur? Didn't he tell you he was our guest last night? Oh, yes. After we searched his knapsack and found all this silver, he claimed <laughs> that you gave it to him. Yes? Of course I gave him the silverware. But why didn't you take the candlesticks? That was very foolish. Madame Gillot, fetch the silver candlesticks. They're worth at least 2,000 francs. Why did you leave them? Hurry! Monsieur Valjean has to get going. He's lost a lot of time. Did you forget to take them? Are you saying he told us the truth? Of course. Thank you for bringing him back. I'm very relieved. Release him! You're really letting me go? Didn't you understand the bishop? Madam, you know, offer these men some wine. They must be thirsty. Thank you. And don't forget. Don't ever forget. You've promised to become a new man. Promise? Why are you doing this? Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil. With this silver, I've bought your soul. I've ransomed you from fear and hatred. And now I give you back to God. Will you guys stand? This is a bishop who understood the love of the Father. Makes no sense, but in a countercultural world, in a countercultural understanding, this is someone who, in the midst of, you would say, no, 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 he needs to be punished for what he did. 
No, he gave him more. He gave him the candlesticks. You saw the, the woman, she was, <laughs> how could you do this? But this is the kind of love that we need to have. This is what God calls us to. It's not a place of trust. He calls us to only trust in the Lord. But he calls us to love those around us with the love of the Father. You guys put your arms out and just, just want to release this understanding, this greater understanding. Father, I ask right now that this message, Lord, would go deep into the hearts of each one of us. Lord, that we would begin to process this and understand this to a greater level. Lord, that we are called to put our trust in you and you alone. Lord, that there's nothing else that we would trust in. Lord, show us areas in our lives where we have put trust in other things. Lord, begin to reveal through your Holy Spirit who so gently and lovingly begins to bring these things up to us and show us these things. Father, show us. Lord, I thank you that we have been bought. Just as this bishop said, Lord, we have been bought with a price, with the tears of your blood. Oh, Father, that we are no longer slaves to sin, but we are children of the Most High. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit that now lives on the inside of us would lead us, would guide us, would direct us. May we be led by you. May we be sons and daughters that take your leading and follow after you. May we be grafted into the vine that we would receive the nourishment for our hearts, Lord, so that we can truly love others with the same love that you have loved us with. Lord, I pray for this spirit of wisdom and revelation to be released upon every person in this place. Lord, that we would truly love others. Lord, for those where we have, where relationships have been damaged, Father, I pray that even this morning that this would be the beginning of a restoration process. Lord, where marriages are, are on, the, on the brink of, of divorce, Lord, I pray that this would be the point where things begin to shift. Father, that it's your love. You called us. You called men to be those that would be like Jesus to the church. We would love our wives as Christ loved the church, that we would be that example to the world. Lord, that wives would be those that are devoted, that are submitted, but in a devoted sort of way as the church is devoted to Christ. Lord, let us live these lives for you in your love, trusting in you and loving those around us with your love. Father, I thank you for this, and I pray just your blessing. I pray your peace. I pray your protection, and I pray your love would saturate our lives, saturate our hearts, and invade us in every area. Lord, that we could only love others with your love. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Love you guys.